this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Good morning. Again, welcome to Top Quality Faith Ministries. You know, a simple question as we begin to listen to this particular message. uh, Lord began to talk to me about relationship. And he's talking about the relationship in which you have with him. And what does it mean to be in a relationship with him? And truly coming from that place where we consider ourselves true servants and getting into that place of relationship where we're truly in that friendship mode with God. And that true friendship mode is whereby he's communicating back and forth with you and you're having that same line of communication and really getting into that place where you truly understand what he is saying to you in regards to the things that he has for you, especially when it comes to the actual kingdom. So even now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you open our hearts to understand the things that you will speak to us today, that you grow us in our relationship with you by getting us to understand all that you require of us. It's not just about reading your word. It's about understanding you. And not only understanding you, but to understand all things that are connected with the kingdom. Holy Spirit, even as I lean to you in prayer, what prayer should I pray for the people today? and myself. I pray that we hear him and we move out of that servant mentality and move into a true relationship with God. But I pray also, even as we move into that true relationship, that we're open and we allow him to go into the deep areas and bring about the change that he's destined for all of us to have. I pray even in the dark areas of our life that light shines forth and that true change comes in whereby each and every one of us is elevated in Christ. I pray even as we surrender in our relationship that his love begins to overflow in every area of our lives. 
causing us not to be moved, but have a more willingness to endure in difficult times and through difficult challenges, recognizing that he will keep us and he has kept us in all things. I pray that each and every one of your hearts are illuminated by truth. And that the revelation that he brings forth heighten your awareness of him. And that each and every one of you are blessed. And the way he said it to me, that all may be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I love when I quiet myself and I just ask the Holy Spirit for understanding of what he wants me to pray. And it just becomes funny because my eyes get to this place where I'm just blinking, blinking, because I'm hearing word after word. And the things that he's saying just become so, I would say, awesome to me that I just like sometimes just to repeat it back to you guys sometimes becomes a challenge because I want to say it my way but yet I hear it a different way and I'm assuming that the way I hear it you may not be able to understand it as he's speaking it to me so sometimes I may try to cross words but I'll stop and pause and really say it the way he said it to me and so I praise God for my for the wisdom he gives me and just my ability to surrender and receive from him. And so I pray that today's message will allow you to get into that place of surrender and receiving. And the best way I can start off this message is, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in some form of relationship whereby you meet a person for the first time or even you being that person that you met somebody for the first time and you find yourself telling that person or wanting to tell that person, I love you. And you really don't know the person and you know that if you say these words, that person is subject to walk away from you or probably look at you in the most craziest way because you're like, how do, how do you love me when you don't even know me? And I find myself saying that a lot. How do you love me and you don't really know me? And with Christ, I even sometimes find myself saying that to him. How do you love me? And you don't know the things in which I do, you know, and yet he does know the things in which we do. And so a lot of times when people say, hey, I love you, I say, why? I always say, why? Tell me why. You know, I need to understand why. Uh, and I guess when I ask the question why, I'm more or less asking the individual, what do you see? Okay, because whatever you see may not be something I see. And I don't think at the end of the day, if you keep looking at me, eventually you're going to find out there's some areas of me that is going to be very difficult for you to love. <laughs> and because there's some areas of me that I find it very difficult <laughs> for me to love myself in. And so that's why... I always say, get to know me, pay attention to me, because as you get closer to me, 
you're going to question your love for me. And I find I do that with people too. The closer I get to them, I sometimes question like, Lord, can I love them do this? Can I love them in the midst of this particular situation? And in Christ, I always find that I can. But in my own reasoning, I find that sometimes it's difficult. And I'm sure all of you guys run into situations where you have relationships with people and they, they're not the easiest people to love. And you find yourself challenged in your love for them and it, it just becomes of an issue. You know, um, as I was looking at this message, you know, uh, there were three people that, you know, I didn't recognize too after they left my life that how important they were in my life and even to understand the importance I was to them. And so uh, as I began to look back at three individuals who have went home to heaven, and the first one, you know, I never recognized to after this individual was gone as this person looked and viewed me as a parent. And I began to yearn more for the relationship after the person was gone than I yearned for the relationship while the person was there because the person was difficult. It was hard to love that person. Uh, and... The reason why it was hard to love that person because I didn't understand how that person viewed me. If I had known that I was looked upon as a parent to that person, I probably would have been better in the relationship uh, with that particular person, but I didn't understand the relationship itself until the end days, and then I began to embrace it, but then by then, it was too late for me to even begin to embrace it. Then I look at the second person and, you know, gosh, you know, uh, I still yearn and miss the relationship I had with him. And that relationship with him, he was big, I can't necessarily say big brother. I, I really recognize that I was big sister and he was little brother. And in that little brother uh, relationship, you know, uh, what I loved about the relationship as I always felt secured and protected no matter where I went. And then another thing that I loved about the relationship, if the person ever hung out with us, uh, he was the individual that was accustomed just to go into the kitchen and start cooking. And to me, it's like somebody that goes in the kitchen and start cooking. I mean, I, I, I love the relationship. If I don't have to cook something and you're just gonna cook something and I don't have to buy something, you're gonna buy it for me? I'm like, oh, we the best friends. And I love the relationship because it was, you know, uh, a relationship where I always felt protected. And, 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 and I say truly felt protected. And the protection came from the person having, you know, not the greatest attitude, okay? But I, I was secured that this person would fight, you know, if I was to run into something, this person would fight to protect me, even if we both were wrong, okay? It was like, oh, we're going to come out fighting, and it's going to be a good fight. And sometimes we both were wrong, but we knew that we had each other's back. So I, I appreciated uh, the relationship because the person was always that person to look out for me in the midst of anything that, uh, that I would be walking through, and especially when I was wrong. It was like... I could be as wrong as I don't know what, but it was still like, I got your back. We'll be wrong together. And I love that about the relationship. 
you know, and I guess I, I think I've missed that the most, that having someone to have your back, to stand in your corner, even when you're wrong. Wow, that's a attribute of the Lord. You know, he has our back even in the midst of us being wrong. And so I, I love that. And then when I think about the last relationship, uh, this was more like a, a big sister. And the only reason why I call it a big sister type of relationship, uh, I think I was the big sister, even though she was older than me. And that person would always look to me for insight, for understanding, for how to manage people. And that was the crazy part of the, about the relationship. It would always be, how should I treat this person? How should I treat that person? And in the midst of our relationship, that person ended up growing in her relationship uh, just uh, as a result at, hey, what does the Bible say about relationships? And really coming into a place of forgiveness. So I think I look at that relationship because it was more or less teaching me to forgive. But even as I was teaching uh, her to forgive, it really helped me in places of forgiveness. And it really allowed me to walk in places that I wouldn't have necessarily walked before because of the areas in which that person was challenged. And all of the relationship was somewhat a, a place of enhancement for me because it allowed me to see Christ from a different point. And I would truly say that the three relationships that I'm speaking of, they all were difficult in one way or another, but because Christ was in the center of each of the relationships, I was able to stand strong in the relationship even though I felt like I wasn't really contributing as much as I could have. I think I spent a lot of time being upset rather than being in a position of uh, truly being in a place to whereby I can truly say, hey, let's overcome together. But at the end of the day, I can truly say we were able to overcome together and our relationship was strengthened more than ever. And so as I began to look at these relationships this morning, the Lord began to talk to me about my relationship. You know, I remember the first time I heard my Lord say, I love you. God loves me. Yeah, that, that was the funniest but craziest words because when I heard it, it stopped me. And I was in that pause position for days on end because I didn't know what to do with the words. It was like, do I put it on the shelf? Do I look at it? Is it true? And then I even found myself asking myself the simplest question. Why would you love a sinner? You know, and then I began to search it out in the word and to gain better understanding of it. I was like, wow, despite what I'm doing, he still loves me. You know, uh, I don't think I've ever experienced that kind of love with anybody. Despite my shortfalls, the things that I don't like about myself, you still love me? You know, that was amazing to me. And it really allowed me to embrace him more because of the fact that he loves me and I, I just truly want to stop and say whatever else that the Holy Spirit would have me to say. And, and what he said to me even now, simple as this. He says, I never focus on what's wrong. 
says, I'm always looking at the great things I have embedded on the inside of you. He said, these things are what really, truly strengthens our relationship. Not the things that you think I'm going to call you out on. He said, they exist. He said, but even as they exist, I recognize that they're not your fault. He said, so I don't judge you in these areas. Better yet, I love you even more. And he just says, hear me. He says, I love you when you're difficult. I love you when you're at your most angry point. He says, I love you in your weakness. He says, I love you when you're full of sorrow and you, want, and you don't want to speak to anyone. He says, I love you in your most joyous state. He says, what I'm truly saying to you is I love you. And even though I love you, You know, he says, all I'm asking is that you recognize the love I have for you. He said, don't put me on a shelf. Don't run from me. He says, I understand if you question the love I have for you. But don't back up from it. Draw even closer. as my desire is to prove my love for you. And he just simply says, hear me. And so we're in John 15, and it'll make sense because it's really talking about the true vine. And so let's go ahead and read, and we'll probably go slow because i got to break some stuff down. Okay. <laughs> Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he taketh away. So that means he's dealing with every area that doesn't produce in me. And he removes it from me. And every area that produces, he, in, he prunes it in order for it to grow even greater. Wow, isn't that so great? So the things that I don't love about myself, he literally takes the time to take it away from me. Instead of having me to sit there and beat myself up about the things I don't love, he takes it away from me. And then for the things that are so great about me, he prunes it and it grows even greater. And it grows even greater to whereby I'm like, oh my God, wow. Because others look 
and they're able to see the things that is growing rapidly on the inside of me. And these fruits truly represent who he is. Let's go to the next one. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I, I love here he's saying we're clean. But a lot of times we're still looking at ourselves as if we're not clean. And, and he's literally saying through the word in which he speaks to us, we are purified in him. And so we are clean. And we're clean every time that we listen or we hear his word coming forth. It's not like we're, we're, we're still dirty. And I think a lot of times we look at ourselves as not being acceptable in Christ's eyesight. But he's literally saying, you're clean through the word. It's, it's like when he washed the disciples' feet. The word is washing us, constantly purifying us, constantly renewing us in him. And so what we, how we see ourselves is never how he sees us. He sees us much greater, much grander, much more. It's like the three individuals, they see me as much greater, much grander, and they looked at me in a way that I could have never really seen myself in that position. And it's funny, as I look back at these three individuals, you know, wow, I learned to love them so greatly. But it was because of the relationship I had with Christ. So let's go to the next one. John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. So first he says, abide in me. So he's saying, dwell in me. How would I say it in the simplest way, Lord? Simplest way, spend time with him. And allow him to spend time with you. That's the simple way of putting this scripture. And, and when I say simple way of putting it, let's take up all this, take out all this extra stuff that we do when we say, oh, abide in me, and I abide in you. We look at, oh God, I gotta spend all this time. But as you go out your day, you're interacting, you're having conversations with him, that's what he's talking about, that abiding in him. I think a lot of times we think that we don't have a relationship unless we pull away and have all of this quiet, quiet closet room time with him. But God's looking for you to include him in your everyday. That's what he's talking about, abiding him. You know, he doesn't want that closet experience only. He wants to have a daily interaction with him. And that means bring him into your thought process. You know, help him to make that decision. And, and, and what I do is I bring him in through my thought process. I allow him to help me make a simple decision when I'm standing looking at a menu at a restaurant and I don't know what's good on the restaurant uh, menu. I say, okay, Lord, what would, would it be that 
you know, you think I would enjoy eating. I bring him into the simple things and I allow myself to interact with him and I trust that I'm going to make the right decision just based on me including him in my day to day. It's not like I'm trying to have that closet experience even though it's a great place and I know that all of us need to have that but sometimes it's just a simple day in and out conversations where you're just acknowledging him in your everyday. Sometimes I even acknowledge him through the simplest thing that I will look up and say, gosh, wow, look what you created. Look at your creation around me. The simple things such as that is where I invite him into my day. Not necessarily looking for him to always speak back, but just acknowledging he's there. That's all he's asking. And he says, uh, abide in me and I in you as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself. Meaning, I can't produce fruits of myself because what I've been producing has not been pleasing to myself. And so true good fruit comes from him. And how would I say this, Lord? He said, simple as saying is this, I am thy maker. Meaning, I am not my own maker. I am thy maker. So in this particular area, he's trying to get you to acknowledge that he's the maker here. Okay, then the next part, he says, the same uh, brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Wow. And I'll ask for the simple understanding when in this area. He says, without me, you can do nothing. And for the things that he desires for kingdom, this is what he's speaking of. He's not talking about worldly things. He's speaking kingdom things. Okay, let's move forward. Verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, this one always really rocked me, because it's, it's like a branch, and that branch is broken off, and, and it's of no good. And if you ever been camping at one point in time and had to create a fire... Uh, you would find pieces of wood all over the place. Or even I noticed like when uh, we would be lighting the barbecue pit uh, or even when I used to have a, you know, uh, fire place that used real, real wood, I would literally go outside and start walking the ground trying to find pieces of wood I can bring in the house to make the fire warm up the house even more so. And... As I began to look at this, this is something that I always looked at, and I said, Lord, why every time I read this is kind of rock me on the inside? And the main reason why, it is something that is not producing. It's broken off. It's decayed. It has no ability to graft itself into something in order to be sustained. And so... I always look at this particular passage 
is that, Lord, I always want to be in that place where you sustain me, and I'm not trying to do things on my own. But even better yet, Lord, what do you say to the people regarding this? He says our ability to stand on our own without his support only weakens the mind. You guys get that? So when we try to stand on our own, we weaken the mind. And so as we begin to cling to him, our nourishment comes from him and it strengthens us for all season and we're able to go in and out of places because we're connected to him. Outside of him, we are weakened and we fall short in many areas because we don't know what's coming at us. He says, say to you guys, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. He says, I'm seeking to bring you closer. I'm desiring more of an intimate relationship with you. I want to be into you as much as you desire to be into me. He says, I want you to know that I have you no matter what the situation may be. He says, I want you to know that you're always protected in me. And he just says, hear me, hear me, hear me. Allow me to comfort you. Allow me to strengthen you. Allow me to protect you. He says, allow me to elevate you in me. And he says, in the only way that I can really do this effectively is that you come to me. He said, especially when you're dealing with something that's uncomfortable for you. He said, you must see and recognize how much I love you. said, not only see, but to understand. There's times where I spend so much time trying to find out this answer or that answer or this answer, and sometimes I forget it's about that intimate relationship where I just need to come and just basically spend quality time with him. I think I share it with you guys. Sometimes I spend so much time trying to find answers, and sometimes God just wants me to come and just sit there without asking questions, without even being in that place where I'm looking to understand something, just to spend quality, quiet time with him. And that quality, quiet time is a place where I can truly enhance my relationship with him. You know, uh, I spoke about just how my children during difficult times will come and hang out in the bed with me 
and spend quality time. But that's what God is looking for us to do is just to come and hang out and spend that quality time with him. And I know I keep saying spend quality time, spend quality time, because this is what he's constantly calling me to say to you today, that he's looking for you to spend some time with him. That means slow down. And take some time to breathe. And as you breathe, open your ears to hear. Even if he doesn't say anything, just make yourself available. And even if you're not saying anything and he's not saying anything, you get a lot out of that. Have you ever just been some sitting next to somebody and, you know, you don't say nothing and they don't say anything and you're like, wow, I felt good. And even in that place, sometimes that quiet place is where you're enhanced. And that's what he's seeking to enhance you. And so sometimes when we're quiet, there's some work that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but it prepares us for the things to come. Let's go a little bit further. John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me and find my words, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you, give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. And so, just in case you guys don't realize, uh, when you're reading 15, you always have to go back to 14 because 14 is a representation of them in the upper room. And so if you go back and you really begin to look at 14, uh, you can clearly see that they were in the upper room and at this particular point in time, he was speaking to them about the Holy Spirit. He was telling them about the comforter, the counselor, uh, 
the advocate was going to come and he was going to teach them all things and bring them into a full understanding of the things that they were taught, uh, but also the things to come. And so when you begin to look at this particular scripture, uh, Jesus is basically now giving them a metaphor of what he meant by the Holy Spirit. So if you go back to 14, which we're going to pop back just for a moment, and if we start with the beginning of 14, you can really see here he, he's basically telling them that he is the way, the truth, and the light. And he's telling him that no man comes to him except through the Father. But then he goes on, when it comes to verse 15, he then talks about keeping his command. And even as you keep his command, he's telling you that the comfort of the advocate is going to come, and he will bring to your remembrance all things regarding what has been spoken to you by him. And so it's so important that we understand in this particular area, he's basically trying to get us to come into that true place of relationship, not only with him, but to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit and allow him to truly be that comforter, that advocate, the spirit of truth, and allow it to truly abide within our center core of our existence. And this is what he's trying to get us to understand if you flip back to the prior chapter. So uh, let Jamila read it just so you can actually see because when he's talking about the relationship, you always have to go back and you had to look at what was he saying to them regarding the relationship because 15 is just really just a way of actually looking. And if you stop for a moment, they're in the upper room. He's having a conversation with them. And I guess their time in the upper room has ended. And now they're walking down the street. And as they're walking down the street, they approach this vineyard. And then he uses that to really cause them to understand from a different perspective because it's easier for them to see the vine and to see that particular garden, uh, and I, I don't know if it was fruit or whatever, but everything that was in that garden was growing and it was growing to a, uh, to a fullness and they could see it and he's telling them, wait a minute, these vines are supported totally by him. I mean, the branches are totally supported by him and he is the vine. And so he was showing them by looking at this particular garden of how they're supposed to rely upon him and he was going to cause them to be in a place of reproduction to where they were going to produce uh, even greater than what they were producing at that particular point in time. And so if you stop to look, it really helps you to go backwards to get a better understanding of what he's trying to, I would say, empower you with. Verse 1 or verse 15? If you, you can do verse 1 or 15 above <laughs> because you, first he sets himself up, and then after he sets himself up, he comes and he introduces to us the Holy Spirit. So we can't have one without the other. Okay. You can't have the Holy Spirit and not have Christ. <laughs> John chapter 14 
Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So let me stop you right here. So he's telling them at this particular time that he's leaving them. Mm -hmm. And they're distressed, okay? Oh my God, they're in that place where they're distressed. And you have to understand when somebody leaves you, you know, you go into that place of grieving, okay? That's why I used the three examples because I don't think I've finished my grieving process with any of the individuals because I think when I look at one, I look at the other. When I look at the other one, I look at the other one. And then somebody else passes. Then I go back and I look at all three of them in some again. I said it's just a cycle of life that we constantly find ourselves in the position yearning and desiring for the individual who has totally touched our lives in some way or another that made a positive impact on it. And so in this particular case, he's telling them that he's about to die. And, and they're in this position to whereby they're totally moved uh, with what he's saying in regards to his words. And even though they understand it, but yet they don't understand it. And I think that's where we do the same thing. Somebody say, oh, I, I think I'm leaving in our hearts of hearts. Because when I talk about the first person, I remember the Lord telling me, uh, at least four or five years before she actually ended up leaving, that she was going to leave. In my mind, I kept trying to make it not be real. I was trying to come up with, I couldn't have heard the truth. It couldn't be real. And even though I watched the process of her being prepared to go home, in my mind, there's no way I could believe it. I, and I would say, oh, no, he's going to come. He's going to change. He's going he's gonna to heal her. He's going to do something. But it was still the same. He was leaving. She was leaving. And no matter how I chose to embrace it, it still was affecting me on the inside. And I was trying to hold on to the person, even though I knew that they were scheduled to depart. And... And I think when you look at this particular scripture, you can see the disciples, they're in a place where they're just like, oh my God, you can't leave us. What am I going to do? You know, how am I even going to begin to operate in my life once you're gone? And I think that's where they were resting. And he was promising them, wait a minute, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. I'm going to make sure that you have a support system that's going to get you through the things and help you to maintain all things. I, I'm sure they were even in that position to where they were like, how are we even going to remember the stuff you said? You know, because I'm sure they were challenged with even some of the things he was saying to them that they could not even begin to process it. And so in this, they were really, how, how would I say it, Lord? He said, distressed. Let's take it further. John chapter 14, verse 4. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? 
Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. In this particular passage, he's telling them that all the ways that has been presented to, to, to the kingdom, meaning all the ways that they once knew about kingdom, he's saying that wasn't the way. But I am the only way. And, and because you know the way, all these other paths that you have learned over the years is not the path in which you're going to take. The path in which I have laid is the way that is the true path. And so he cuts Philip's questions by basically redirecting Philip back to him and getting Philip to see that, wait a minute, you already seen all the, these other paths that was laid down that represented supposedly who I am. These paths are not the path. The path that I'm laying is the only path, and this is the path that's going to sustain you. Hopefully you guys see that. Verse 8. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And hopefully you guys have experienced this as you have been in Christ, that the words here that are written, written in the Bible automatically allows you to see that the Father exists and that Christ as well as the Father are one of the same as you begin to search out the scriptures. You can see their interaction. How would I say it, Lord? He said being united. That your understanding is the same when it comes to the two of them. And now he's bringing forth the Holy Spirit, which is bringing in the same Awareness, but it's it's also how would I say it, Lord? He said it brings you into a place where there's consistency in your dwelling in Him. Verse eleven. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and 
I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath many commandments, hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. And so you can clearly see that from that particular point, they're walking, and then that's when he basically gives the metaphor of the vineyard as a way of getting them to understand what he basically uh, has spoken to them with the hopes that they come from a place of grieving and to a place of understanding of what's to come. So I'm going to read some, have her to read some notes because I think the notes are very much important for all of us to actually see because he's really talking to us about being grounded in our relationship and truly allowing him to begin to bring forth the things in which he desires from us. And that is through the relationship that he has. He's not looking at our struggles, never have been looking at our struggles as a negative. He's always been looking at that to elevate you in your relationship with him. And so Let's read a little bit of the commentary because I think it will help you guys to understand more as well. So this is the commentary for John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Jesus knew that the faith of the disciples would be tested by his arrest and crucifixion. 
but they could maintain confidence because he was not just another human leader or godly prophet. And let me say, in this particular, if I was to say our faith and our relationship is constantly being tested by the events that goes on around us. And so as we begin to see the things that's going on around us, our faith in Christ is constantly being in a place that we are being tested in our belief system when it comes to the things of Christ. And so even as they were tested, we are being tested as well. And that's why he's telling us to abide in him. Amen. To believe in God would translate to belief in him. One who had seen Jesus had seen the Father, because the Father dwelleth in Jesus. The ensuing events would allow him to prepare a place for them in his Father's house. In the long run, this house is the eternal new Jerusalem, heaven, but more immediately, it is his church. The remainder of this discourse is about the work on earth that the disciples face. Jesus is the way to life after death. But he is also the way to salvation the disciples would lead the world to accept. And that's what he's talking to us in this time. He's basically trying to get us to understand that despite what's going on around us, it's so important that we begin to truly abide and embrace him uh, no matter what. How would I say it, Lord? He says the things that are around you should only strengthen you in your relationship with me because you know that I am thy protector. Amen. So despite what's going on, as we begin to abide in the vine and we receive our protection, our nourishment, everything that we need from him, it should truly cause us to be more secure in him and not in the things that are outside of him. So the commentary for John chapter 14 verses 12 through 31 says, Jesus' works were the evidence that he was God in the flesh, but those works would not stop when he went unto his father. In fact, they would be greater. Jesus' death and Let me stop right there. The works that they seen, okay, uh, Lazarus being resurrected, okay, the woman with the issue of blood, okay, being restored. Uh, the man even receiving uh, word that his son was restored. And a host of things. He's literally telling them, just because I'm not here, these things shall continue to go forward uh, that others may know that I live. And so Christ is trying to tell us that the works that you see or heard of or read of, I'll say it like that, She'll continue to go forward in a greater sense is because I'm dwelling on the inside of you. Praise God. Jesus' death and resurrection would glorify the Father in the Son, bringing salvation through his church. Jesus would continue to work through the spirit of truth, the comforter. The word Hold Jesus. On. Jesus will continue to work through the spirit of truth. And that's the comforter that now dwells on the inside of us. So even though this message was given to the disciples, the Lord is now speaking this message to us. 
And he's literally saying, as we abide in him, that his works will continue to go forward in abundance that all may receive and understand the things that they, we are destined to become as a result of the Holy Spirit indwelling on the inside of us. Praise God. The word Jesus used for comforter was paraclete, literally one called alongside to help. It was often a legal term referring to legal counsel or advocacy. I, I, I laugh because we're always looking for somebody to help us. We always think that we're doing something alone, but the Holy Spirit has always been there at our side, helping, providing the support that we need to get to our end state. But a lot of times we're looking around trying to find help when the help is already there. We just need to call upon the help, embrace the help, begin to be a little bit more intimate in our relationship so that we recognize that, hey, I got help along the side of me. I don't need anybody. I don't need an army because I already have all the resource that I need to basically accomplish whatever task that is destined for me to do. He, he literally says this to me. He said, you look beyond you for support. When I have given you support within. He said, many of you walk in places of distress instead of really connecting with me in order for me to pull you through times of difficulties. He said, in you, which is in me, you have everything you need to accomplish anything that you set your heart to do. Amen. And then he goes on to say to me, he said, you must overcome the fear of how you perceive others will see you as you're operating to me. You guys get that, right? You must overcome the fear. So, you know, oh, I don't know what they're going to think of me. <laughs> they, they can't think anything but great of you because you're moving by the Spirit of God. And even if they don't like it, it's still going to be all right because you're moving by the Spirit of God. We need to refresh. So the question is, Pastor, how do you overcome disappointment regarding God? Because part of being uh, intimate with the Lord is also trusting Him. And uh, I have a friend that basically the disappointment is greater than God itself. His disappointment basically prevent him to getting to know the Lord. Our disappointment sometimes prevent us to know the Lord fully. He said, for this person truly doesn't know me. 
He says, so therefore, the enemy has clouded his relationship to cause him to see that there's no help. He said, with this person, it's important that he hears the true gospel. Amen. So to answer the question, the true gospel has to overpower the area where the person's struggling. That means that there are some areas where this person really don't know the works of Christ. And so in that place, I would really truly begin to ask, in your place where you feel abandoned, where you feel that Christ hasn't begun to be that hope, that provider, that strength, where is it that you feel that he's, he's failed you and begin to work through the means of the Holy Spirit to edify that person. So if, if it was me edifying that person, I would literally ask God to show me some things that this person contended with and that only you and him know and get him to see that you were there. Okay, and I've learned that when I do that, they see that he was there, and then the Lord will say something like this, but you didn't allow me to help you. Yes. You didn't allow me to embrace you. You pushed away, because that's what we normally do. Okay, When I came to you in the place of sorrow, you wouldn't allow my comfort, uh, allow me to comfort you in that particular area. You pushed me away. You said, no, Lord, no, you're not there. So you have to, you have to begin to... As he said, the comfort of the counselor, the advocate, you have you being the Christian have to embrace the comforter and allow the comforter to be that comfort to somebody else. Okay. The church would not be built by adherence to law or creed, but through lives connected to God. Did that you guys get that? The church is built through lives truly connected to God. Okay, so if you're on the outside, and when I say truly on the outside, that means you, not having the fullness of the Holy Spirit operating through you, you're going to find it difficult just to stay connected to the Lord. You're going to find it not only difficult to stay connected to the Lord, you, the Lord can give you a task and say, hey, go ahead and read this particular scripture. You think you're going to read it? No. No, because you're not connected. The Holy Spirit allows you to be connected, and he reminds you. Remember that task you're supposed to read? He brings you back, and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to read that. He keeps pushing you until you get to that place where you truly get to that place of submission and do it. And even if you're not a reader, he'll find a way to get that same insight into you in another way. Amen. And that's what I praise God. But a lot of us... Uh, will put the Holy Spirit on to the side and when we need, really need to invite him into everything we're doing. That connection is made manifest through the Spirit's working to convict of sin, lead to repentance, give assurance of salvation, and to impart the peace of God. I think we get stuck on convict of sin and then we don't take it any further. Oh my God, I'm going to be convicted of sin. Yeah. But our conviction of sin, as we begin to nourish our relationship, it becomes less and less. If you notice, 
the things that he begins to focus on building is more of a relationship. And he knows that as you build the relationship with him, the desire for sins becomes no more. Amen. And so it's not something that you find yourself being concerned with, oh my God, I'm getting corrected. Oh my God, I'm getting that. It's not that place anymore. You get into that place of, oh my God, he does love me. Yes. He says, I'm not the taskmaster in the relationship. And I don't want you to see me as someone that's there always to task you. When you look at the Old Testament and remember how the old Ten Commandments would come on the TV and they would show that the people were being whipped because they wasn't making the bricks fast enough or whatever the case may be. And sometimes people look at our Lord as this type of taskmaster and he's not a taskmaster. He is one that's going to love you into doing his will. It's not going to force you. He'll love you. And as he loves you, you'll be like, oh, God, I can do that. Oh, God, I want to do that. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Judas, not Iscariot, was referred to elsewhere in scripture by the nicknames Thaddeus and Lebes. He was confused about why Jesus would not be on a throne to be seen by the whole world. The fact was that through the Holy Ghost, Jesus' presence would reach the whole world. Everything he taught to his disciples would be accurately and powerfully brought to their remembrance. And we see that today. And so by him dying, it allowed for all of us to basically be able to understand the things of the kingdom. And so when you're looking at Judas, he's saying... Uh, to this particular point, like, okay, Lord, I thought you were going to establish a place here in this particular timing, but Christ's plan was much greater to establish a kingdom forever. And how do we know that? Because the word of God is constantly still going forward and it's being reached in areas that it has never been able to reach. And so truly, he has established a kingdom forever. Amen. And it's through us as well. Okay. So this is the word of the Lord. And so as I'll, I close here, I'll say what he said to me or what he's saying to me. He said it's so important. that you rest in me. He said that you not make our relationship difficult. And that you come and spend quality time with him. He says, I know your heart's desires. He says, even, I know what you're afraid of. But he said, allow me to build you inwardly and then outwardly. He 
He says, so for those that I need to come into the fold, may receive me with joy. He says, for many are desiring truth. And he says, and they only can hear truth through the vessels I have called forth to stand up for me. You being one. He says, in this place of relationship, he says, I I desire to be intimate with you. He says, causing the words that I have spoken to you to resonate on the inside of you. Creating an explosion that would draw a multitude of people unto me. He says, as you trust me, I will bring you into new heights. Causing your eyes, your ears to be open. He said, like never before. And he says, and my word that I have already deposited on the inside of you. He says, shall produce a fountain of life. That those who are thirsting shall be completely satisfied. In all areas of their lives. And then he says, and this includes you. He says, hear me. He says, as you come closer, dwelling in me, I shall tend to your thy cares. I shall meet thy needs. I shall restore the, what has been taken. And I shall build upon your faith. And I shall prosper you in all things. Hear my words. Rest in me. Allow me to move in and through you. Hear me, my children. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, but come completely into a, a place 
where I can secure you in all things. And he just simply says, cling to me, cling to me, cling to me. And he's just showing me how the branches just clings to the vine. Cling to me, cling to me, cling to me. And as you cling, if you notice, as you prune back, God begins to t pull away all the stuff that uh, hinders. And so when I sit back and I look at some of the plants, I'm always pruning the old things off of it. And then when the newer buds come back, oh my gosh, it, it is so beautiful. I have this plant, uh, this rose bush, when you first come out of my front door, it's the one that I prune the most. And it's the biggest rose bush I have. And I mean, it is full of roses because it's pruned constantly. And so when I look at what's produced in that bush, it's much greater than any of the other bushes that I have. And it out overpowered. And the only reason why is what I first see. It's something that's always in my sight. And so I give it all of the attention. And so Christ is basically saying, you're always in my sight, and I want to give you all my attention. All I'm asking is that you come closer. And he says, and as I hold out my hands to you, be not afraid, draw close unto me. He says, I shall provide that place of refuge for you. I shall strengthen you. But most of all, I need to elevate you during this time. Yes. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Praise be the God. And so, even as I close, Lord, I ask that this word meet each and every one of them. And that the desire for you you're to be more intimate with them, they hear and embrace your words. I pray that each one hears your message today and draw even closer in to you. Letting your words lead them. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. I pray for the salvation of each and every one on this line that hasn't received Christ. And so for those of you who haven't received Christ, as simple as saying, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my God. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. And even as you have filled me with your Spirit, lead me that I may be a light unto those in whom you are calling me to be sent to. Lord, even now, I pray that you continually meet everyone on this line, providing them whatever they need. In Jesus' name I pray. And for anyone that needs prayer, you're welcome to call Uber Conference Line. And I have a team of people that are there.
to meet you with prayer. So you're welcome to come. Be blessed, everyone, until we meet again. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this. Thank you.